back to another episode of Cross Street Coaching. We are continuing our Reluctant Entrepreneur series. Last time we had a guest uh, of one of Hawthorne Union's own uh, members. Today we have another guest. An honorary Hawthorne Union. An honorary Hawthorne Union member. (laughs) She's actually clocked in. (laughs) <laughs> She's talking the most guest podcast visits yeah, actually on Cross Street Coaching. Yeah. Love Odie Kamui from Unsiloed. We're, ha- we're always thrilled to have you back. And I am just as excited to hang out with the cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> so as we have been diving into this season which is the reluctant entrepreneur experiencing kind of the mindset uh, for those of us that don't fit into the traditional form of being an entrepreneur. And we decided to bring back love to talk about both her experiences and her take on this new world. So for those of us that weren't uh, born into just tons of money, we can throw into a business or didn't uh, wake up at four years old and say, I've always wanted to start my own business for the rest of us. That is what we're going to be talking about today. But love, for those listeners that haven't heard your previous episodes, which we will link to in the show notes, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Really happy to be back and um, reflecting on the last episode, getting a little bit of a chance to hang out with all of y'all and um, in Boston. That was super cool. And a bit of uh, my introduction, my name is, as you shared, Love Odi Kamui, she, her pronouns, and I am the founder and CEO, I still have to get used to saying that, of Unsiloed, which is yes. a, culture, a culture consulting firm that supports organizations to um, create spaces where everyone can thrive, particularly historically marginalized or underestimated folks. Um, and um, we do that in a bunch of ways, whether through learning experiences, um, through supporting the establishment of systems and structures that can outlive our good intentions and the moments of truth that we are held to these days, um, and as well as through coaching. So um, really leaning into what serves um, each organization's unique personality best and helps them to be a better version of themselves. That's much more aligned with their values. You know, those fancy stuff we keep on the wall that everyone forgets. <laughs> yeah. So that's a good way to start that everyone forgets. You know, when we talked in our last two episodes, there were very, very hot button issues. <laughs> George Floyd and a lot of things going on when we had talked uh, about two years ago and even even last year when we were starting to see DEI become very, very um, front and center. So what does it kind of mean for you to work in this space now that maybe it's not the number one headline in the media, but yet it's still very important? And while a lot of things have improved, there's still plenty, plenty of people that are experiencing a lot of difficulty. There are still a lot of companies both getting it right, getting it wrong, and the need for this type of work is still very much present. Yeah. Well, I wish it was that far behind us because we just had the Buffalo shootings um, in the past week. Um, And this work has been, in my over 15 years in this space, just taken on a different name every time. You know, at one point it was like multicultural training or, you know, global you know, like, there's a different name to it. I think what we're dealing with is 
um, hopefully a more raw and transparent look at it. The fact that there's such access to media, information is being so rapidly shared. It's really hard to just stick our necks in the sand and pretend that it's not there. So I'd say from a bit of optimism, I'm happy that because of our overconsumption of media, we're always going to be, for better or worse, not be able to look away from what um, injustices look like. And I, I would say I'm actually really happy, um, and I'm sure you all as coaches may be seeing this, where people are just a little bit more aware of how they're showing up in certain spaces and maybe things that they would have overlooked or considered to be too personal for work. Um, I think there's a, we're inching towards a greater level of self-awareness um, that um, hopefully moves us closer to more systemic change um, at a greater level. So um, the, the, the work of helping humans figure out how to do humaning um, in my conflict work, we call it a crisis of human interaction. As long as we are humans and as long as we interact, we will collide, right? So understanding that as a baseline and then using that as a through line to say, so how can we do so in ways that's much more respectful, um, much more humanizing? I think that work will always be there to be done. Yeah. And we're glad to have you to do it. So, you know, I, I think there's one of the similarities as we transition to kind of love learning a little bit more about your journey. So knowing that this is something that you've the this type of work has been a passion in your career. Um, what what helped you transition or inspired you to transition or, you know, begrudgingly moved you <laughs> however you moved um, as into this kind of your own thing? Yeah. So I think it, like two, two, two things are on my mind now. Um, I'll say the word like recognizing my worth and recognizing um, that I had a unique voice and perspective to bring in um, and that I had in many spaces experienced that voice as being mm, minimized, vilified and considered problematic. So it took me many years to come to terms with the fact that the way that I see the world, like I am not, um, a, I'm not a troublemaker. I'm not trying to stir the pot, you know, like asking for what I need or advocating for what other people need is the right thing to do because a lot of folks, I, I imagine are at a place where they're thinking, gosh, I wish I spoke up. I wish I said something. I know that there was something to be done, but like, I'd have to really go against the grain. Um, am I the only one seeing what I'm, I'm seeing? Right. Um, so it's like recognizing that, yep, you saw what you saw, you heard what you heard and there's something to be done about it. Like that was not okay to, to happen. So I think, um, in my background as um, a trained lawyer, you know, like there's a system, there's a process, right? Like, you know, in sort of like one of your 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 early classes around like law, they they tell you like, you know, what's a just law? Like, what's right and what's wrong? Like, and how do we arrive at these shared definitions of what's right and what's wrong? And a lot of our lives are built around consensus, right? So like. We all agree that it's okay to do X or it's okay to do Y. But was I in the room when that definition was written? 
And like, did that definition <laughs> include what would impact me? So if I enter that room five years later and everyone has decided on what that definition is, but that definition does not take into consideration my full experiences or are harmful to me, can I push back at that definition, right? So that kind of sounds a bit philosophical in some way, but in the spaces where I began to push back at, is this system the right system, right? Like, does this, does, does our understanding of this process capture what everyone needs? To me, that's the equity work and the inclusion work. Um, and I really enjoy playing in that space. So I think there's so much room for creativity, um, to help people sit and think about, okay, how can we not come into situations or issues with a predefined answer of where we are going? Um, so out of that was born a lot of innovation that I had, I had ideas and things to say, <laughs> right? Um, and even if it made me feel like obnoxious or like some sort of like imposter of like, poking at someone else's world, um, recognizing, and I'm deeply grateful for the fact that there is a world in which I can create a company where people do appreciate the pushback that I can bring to the table. People do appreciate that I'm holding up a mirror to them to say, okay, I know we've done this in this particular way and we've shaped this process for these people. Have we thought about ABC, right? Have we thought about this other way of considering it, right? Um, or did we come up with something um, a few years back and does it still serve us? Um, how can we make decisions in a way that bring other people to the table? And to be able to, there, there's a part of me that's a, a little bit like shocked that I made a whole job out of getting people to like reflect on the things that they were doing, the decisions that they were making and the systems and structures that they had in place or they have in place. And that's just deeply, deeply, um, you know, I would say gratifying for me on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you know, that's kind of like one tangential thought of, of, where, how I ended up here. Um, but every year I have a conversation also with my mom and she tells me like a little bit of like, you know, my developmental story. And she goes this in November last year <laughs> and she goes, there are many things that I was pretty sure about who you are. And like, like she's, she's considered me pretty solid, like about, you know, like since you were two, you did all of these things. And she was like, a business owner? That part I did not see coming. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. That was very, very... So I, I probably am... I'm really the reluctant entrepreneur here because I've always said, why would I go out and start my own business when I can... Because I... I, as much as I'm a visionary and like, according to like the predictive index, like I'm a venturer true and true. I really enjoy collaborating with folks. So like in my world, I just did not see myself going off, like sh doing a moon shoot, like solo. And I'll say even before I launched fully, I had several attempts of trying to collaborate with people to make this like a project or I was like, oh, you know, maybe we should work together on this. And, you know, those things, for better or for worse, I'm happy they didn't work out because at least it gave me more clarity around my vision and really held my feet to the fire to put my voice and my my worth and my authenticity out there. So there's a lot of risk taken also in there, in, in putting myself out there after 
been quite resistant to it for a very long time. <laughs> so, love, I am totally hearing that you felt a little bit of that reluctance from our, you know, that our reluctant entrepreneurs face. Normally, when people have this idea, oh, there's something that's broken, there's something that should be improved, it's an invention. It is the golden goose that lays eggs and they chase it, like unwavering. But as you kind of described, as as you described, you didn't want to be disruptive or kind of like really like ruffle people's feathers. Mm -hmm. You wanted to bring it in a different direction. And that kind of led you, even you questioning the validity, should I start this business? And that you started with partners first. So talk about that transition from it, just kind of toying in the water to where you started to explore the idea that this should be love's own venture. And this is what you should dedicate your business to. Yeah. Which also sounds like it's tied to worth for you. It is, right? It is, right? Because it's um, it's like, how dare you go out there and say stuff and have a whole pulpit for yourself? Like, how dare you be the only one um, at the helm of this thing, right? Um, and I come from, like, culturally a very communal space. And even now I'm more um, conscious of that. Like I speak predominantly in we, even when I am the one who did something, I'm like, oh, we are, you know, we did this. And I go, hang on a second. No, you have, like, it wasn't I, like I, right. We know that that's cultural. We know that that's gendered. So there are still parts of like, um, my identity that's still an intern, I'm still internalizing or unlearning, internalizing, um, ways in which like stereotypes or microaggressions have gotten me to sort of like shrink a bit. Um, and in making that transition, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily have any, I didn't do it, have any partner, but I had several conversations with people who I thought had a similar interest. And I was like, would this be interesting to you? What would it, you know, so I, I had a lot of exploratory conversations but ultimately when, um, and I had taken on a lot of solo consulting projects, but ultimately when I was like, okay, we're going to open the doors of Unsiloed, it was, it was me alone turning that, that knob and opening the door. You know, at that point, all those conversations at various stages of over the last five years or more had not necessarily matured because I think I had increasingly in doing my own self-work recognized that I had more and more clarity. So those conversations were helpful because they reminded me of why I began to think of um, creating my own. Initially, I just called it a project, right? I didn't even have the audacity to call it a company. I, I call it a project. I call it an experiment. <laughs> and I was like, let's do this for 12 months and let's see where the dust settles. Um, so I use that, I'll say, to leap a bit and not hold myself to perfection. And I'll say, let's call, you know, like, let's just call this a one-year experiment and let's just go out there and, and do you hear me still saying let us, right? <laughs> right? There. That's exactly Right. <laughs> I was like, let me go there <laughs> and try it out. But exactly. I do still catch myself in these moments of, um, and, and I totally embrace the power of the collective and of collaboration, but I do know that my work around, um, wanting to not be too vocal as a black woman, as a black immigrant woman um, from a very conservative culture where a woman isn't front and center 
it's, I would say, still a process of unlearning that I can have a voice in the room and that my voice can be meaningful. Um, so it's, it's happening at a company level, but it's also happening at the individual level for me. Yeah. It's amazing how much the journey in the business also then reflects back in on ourselves. And, and, you know, we talked to coaches about that. Like the act of becoming a coach, I believe like changes your life. You have to look at who you are and, and our businesses look like us. And sometimes we really like that. And sometimes that's where the struggle is and what you're talking about with the unlearning. What do you wish you had known? Like, and, and not as in like, oh, I should have known, but kind of if you could, if you could speak now to love then. Hmm. I would say before I fully launched, um, being it still in full-time jobs, like in full-time roles, um, I certainly had moments where I was incredibly hard on myself because I didn't recognize that in finding space to demonstrate the value that I brought to the table that it would make other people so uncomfortable. Um, people in positions of power, people who in my speaking up that would um, hold a mirror to ways in which maybe they were holding up systems and structures that weren't supporting other people to thrive or they hadn't allocated resources in a way that was helpful to other people. Um, and I think that there is like a bit of naivety in me, right? Like, <laughs> I like I don't get why you all don't get it, right? And I and I probably was really seeing the best in people, even yeah, I mean, yeah you know, right. to, to believe that that they see what you see, and then there's kind of a lack of understanding, like why why aren't you seeing this? Yes, 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 absolutely, right? Um, and those are oftentimes the folks that I would say over time made one of my least favorite phrases assume the best intentions. I know that's a phrase that's close to coaching work, right? But when it comes to like equity and justice work, I would say I did a lot of assuming the best of intentions. My favorite now is um, is really making sure that impact, um, super like our understanding of the impact is not sort of minimized by our intentions. Because I think we now are in a world where good intentions kind of overrides the conversation around, oh, like I meant well, all of that overrides impact. So I do think that um, I wish I better knew how to find the support that I need and not implicate myself as failing in those moments where I started to just, you know, like find my baby steps, right? Like, so it's kind of like, you know, a newborn animal and you're kind of like wobbling and your, <laughs> your knees and knuckles are kind of cracking. And I do think that there were definitely moments where I, I was really scared by, um, by people who confident, who were very confident in the nothingness that they were saying, like, just to be clear, right? Like just because they had the mics or they were the most vocal persons in the room. Um, and I do remember I, the moment when I, recognized that I needed to shift was that I remember sitting in my car after work and recognizing that like over the last few weeks that my shoulders had suddenly started to slouch and hump over. I almost was beginning to feel a physical manifestation of shrinking in the same way that I was shrinking in spaces where I was showing up. So like I was speaking up less. I was 
writing out all my points before I spoke up. I was like measuring my words. Um, and, you know, prior to now, prior to that point, I, I'm, I, I consider myself someone who's really good on my feet. Like I can, you know, like I can come up with stuff like on the fly. I can really impromptu something. And I found myself almost um, shrinking, slowing down, um, holding back. And I recognize like, oh, okay, this is, this is taking not just a mental toll on me, but a physical toll. Um, but during those moments, I didn't really know what support I needed. Right. Like it's not quite therapy in the end. It became coaching. I'll say coaching saved me. Um, and was that transition point into really finding my feet and my voice again. But I don't think many people in that space, depending on how coaching is, accessible to, to anyone, right? Like coaching is oftentimes a really senior executive or someone who is like really failing, right? Like someone in, in between who is kind of fumbling around, they're not quite sure, you know, like, do I need a, you know, do I need a day off work? Do I need a vacation? Am I burnt out? Right? Like what you kind of need is for someone to reflect back your worth to you, to say your voice matters, what you're saying matters, um, what you're experiencing is that sounds like gaslighting, right? Like you don't need to minimize what you think and feel about who you are and hold space to really validate you. I think that can be really, really powerful. And it was powerful for me in that moment. So um, I, I, I definitely strongly recommend that for people who are still in that fumbling phase of, of wondering if their voice really matters. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a lot of people that would listen to what you're saying, love, and say, well, <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't think that I can do this, especially those from more communally driven communities where they can feel marginalized, which is even more important for their work or in whatever venture type of business that they're doing, when they start to think about the actual consequences of them being successful or getting to that space, they could shy away from it, right? And saying what, what you just talked about, that even doing this work, standing up to pe people in positions of power at companies that have power, it had a physical impact on you. That yeah, would shy you them could, away. You could say this again, consequences of being successful. That's it. Yeah. Like, I, I could write, <laughs> you yeah. could write a whole, the consequences, like it's taxing. Yep. You, yep. I just wanted to like say that over and over, but that, That's a, that hits home very much. Great phrase. Absolutely. But some people would shy away from even starting because of the consequences of being successful. So the people that are on the fence thinking about starting their business or going out on their own that have a negative reaction that reinforces that, what would you want to tell them to say, no, this is, this is why your work is important. This is why you should start your business. This is why you should take that chance or that risk. Yeah. I'm, I'm like cheerleader in chief for anyone who shows up and says, oh, I was thinking about this, right? Like even people who are doing the same work as I am, there's so much space for this work. So sometimes I'm <laughs> a bit too generous with my calendar. They're like, oh, can I speak to you? I'm like, sure. What do you want to know? I'll tell you all the things because like one, I would say reach out because, um, no one told me, I, you know, Diana and I had lots of conversation in my earlier days. I was like, how does any of this thing work? Right. And to have people around you who have the generosity to share without any fear that you owning your space is going to mean less space for them. You know, like if you have any inkling that by you spreading your wings, someone's going to get flustered or fluttered by it, I'll say like, that's not the person for you. So, you know, like that really mattered. And I'm 
supremely grateful for. I was just like, yep, you're my person and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with you, Dino. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's important, right? Because especially coming from a community space, if you think your wingspan is going to knock someone over, well, then you're not necessarily going to fully, <laughs> we're not going to see those feathers. Yep. Totally. So, 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 so that's one. Um, two, I'll also say recognize when you've experienced some sort of trauma. Um, I call it sort of like workplace trauma, right? Like there's, that can be so real and sometimes you need to decompress from it because that continues to roll over into your work. I've seen, unfortunately, where people have gotten, um, there's a high level of reactivity that's happening in their body and in their words and their behaviors just because they are still very much triggered by past events. So they can't recognize the goodness when it's coming to them because everything is real suspicious. And I can totally understand that. Um, and I keep a, a little paper um, nearby me, um, which, which I remember sitting down and literally drawing up a table where I listed out the things about who I am that brought value to the table. And I did not use any language around, like I have had jobs as a lawyer, an educator, <laughs> um, like program director. And I didn't use any of those words. I used the words that helped me to sort of tabulate the value that I was bringing to the table. And I keep that nearby as a reminder of, um, of who I am. And even if I moved from a permanent role into entrepreneurship, or if I decided to go back into a permanent role, which I, I don't see that happening anytime soon, <laughs> well, well enough to say, um, I do recognize that I am not defined by the job that I am doing or by, by how much money is on the table or the check that I'm getting. Um, and then I'll say point three B is ask for your money. Um, <laughs> ask for your money because everyone else is asking for their money. Um, and 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 from a values place, I really like um there there's a there's a verse out of the Bible that says, do not despise the days of small beginnings. Um and sometimes I do think while we're ambitious and we know we can do really awesome stuff, um just remember to not think, you know, bite off more than you can chew and not dismiss the smaller opportunities that you might get. You know, someone might call you to do a 20 minute thing here or an hour there, you will evolve and grow from it, but use those things to treat them as like a personal internship or apprenticeship for yourself. So that when you get to the big stage, you feel more ready and more confident. So I, I certainly did not discount the days of smaller opportunities where um, I would, you know, maybe people would have seen that as a step back and you're like, Oh, like do you really want to do that project. But for me, those smaller projects um, or even maybe when they were not highly paid, provided me opportunity to find my voice again, find my confidence again, um, have people affirm me. And that was like like a testing ground. And then I would get another chance to do it again. So I certainly did not dismiss opportunities that seemed, you know, smaller or not as shiny because I, I knew where I was going. Um, big picture. Love it. It makes me even think of, you know, as you talked about like the knuckles and of the newborn, their businesses grow, we grow. And, and I think what's funny is when we talk about business growth, people are usually thinking about a business getting bigger 
But when we look at the entrepreneur perspective, it's also that stability. You know, there are there are things now, there are conversations now that I have with insurance people and lawyers that I didn't have to have before because of the way the Hawthorne Union has grown, but they're they're daunting. You know, some of that growth is daunting, and I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't playing on that scale. Um, so, you know, I, I think one of the things is as you talk about identity and worth, and you know, some of what we're looking at as well is is compassion to say, you know, you have a voice, you have worth. What are you bringing to this space? And and some of it's about presence. What are you bringing to this space today? you don't necessarily have to know what it's going to be. Because I will speak for myself, and I think, Love, you resonate with this as well. Both of, at least for me, Hawthorne Union is bigger now than I thought it would be. And I don't know if the same is mm-hmm. around Silo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely consider us now have a team of, an amazing team of folks who I certainly could not ride without. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah. But yes, growth, growth, growth will come. Um, and I'll say it's also important to, to, and Diana, you know, you and I, we've had several conversations, like where we go, how do you, how big do you want this thing to be? Right. Like, and, and you're right. Like liability, exposure, insurance, um, visibility, visibility, managing a team, getting people to collaborate, right. Depending on the structure, um, of work, um, making sure that as the work grows, the quality is sustained and the, the values are lived, not just for clients, but are lived internally for the team. That part is critical to me. Um, so I think, I think it's baby steps, right? And also like your worth isn't defined by whether or not you become a multi-billion dollar com- you know, company or, you know, I think everyone's like marching, like there's like that march to a hundred K and then there's a march to a million, right? Like everyone's chasing the next thing. But the truth is, well, we, that target, it's it's always a moving target, right? So I think going back to a value space is what would make you feel great? Like what would cause you to feel like you're really bringing value to the world, that you're doing meaningful work, um, that your well-being matters, the well-being of your team matters, that the change that you wish to see in the world, the thing that made you (laughs) bold enough to take the leap is actually being manifested in the world. And you're actually, because there's an overreach where you actually may begin to start perpetuating harms um, that you, the very same thing that you spoke against, um, you could also become complicit in it. That's a dangerous overreach. And I don't know that anyone is safe from that, right? Like, because if we want to run companies and organizations in the way that the growth um, track or trajectory for most corporate companies have been set, there are very toxic, unhelpful behaviors that can begin to creep in. So how do we make sure my mantra for unsiloed has always been do more of what brings you joy. And when I call any team member, I am thinking, oh, here's this new project. And I know that this is an interest area for you. And I know that this is something that you're passionate about. Um, and the back end of it is that they are actually going to be supported to do that work. So making sure that to the level that we, I can, I would say, make sure that the toxic environments that I have seen or been exposed to in the past does not translate into what I am building. 
that for me is a win, right? Like, and that's not a monetary amount. That that for me is a win that people are enjoying the work that they do and that they feel a sense of satisfaction. Um, there's no dollar amount that can be attached to that part of what my company's win is. So love, as you're several years in, and if we're not uh, playing the rat race game, right? To six figures, to seven figures, to the moon, to beyond. What are some of the healthy goals that you're setting as you're several years into having unsiloed? And what does progress and success look like to you this year? Mm. So progress and success, you know, in addition to what I just mentioned, um, certainly looks like more deep work with the clients that we work with. Um, especially at the height of 2020 into 2021 around racial violence, a lot of people were looking for these one-off trainings and sessions. And we made a very strategic decision to back away from that um, until we saw that people were either now or seemed to offer the potential of a willingness to do more deep work in the future. Um, there's no way that we can promise anyone that, hey, do this two-hour workshop or 90-minute workshop and you're going to have a great culture moving forward. Um, that was doing a disservice to them because they would have the checkbox to say, hey, we we, we did this. Um, and we would actually leave feeling less satisfied because we would in- begin conversations that one could not be completed. Um, and Sometimes you give people just enough information to make them more dangerous. <laughs> and that actually was more harmful. So um, success looks like and has been looking like this year, working with more of our clients who are saying, we want to be on this journey of cultural transformation. We want to learn. We want to be coached. We want to engage in training. We want to come back and make space for reflection. We want systemic recommendations and changes um, and things that will hold us accountable. Um, and those are the type of partnerships that really bring us joy because we could actually see their trajectory of growth, not just for our personal satisfaction, but for their good, right? That there, there was not just sort of like a splash in the water, but something that was sustained. Um, but the money is great. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say don't, <laughs> don't pay me to do good work. So <laughs> feel free to raise the millions to me. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and manifest those. Um, but, uh, I, I think wh- why I mentioned the money is a lot of times people are like, Oh, how much is that going to cost? And I'm like, how much is your culture worth? Like, how much are your people worth? Right. So. It's less so about the money and about whether or not you consider this work to be critical and meaningful and should be prioritized. Um, because people, you know, if a company prioritizes a golf outing for a couple hundred thousand dollars with really good drinks and a good caddy, it's going to happen, right? <laughs> if fun is a priority to them, they're going to be out in a yacht with a personal, like a private chef for a whole weekend, that's going to be paid for, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not taking a kick at the fun stuff, but I'm also saying, make sure that when you come to entrepreneurs, particularly entrepreneurs from 
um, historically marginalized backgrounds that you are willing to pay them what they are worth and that you won't claw them down <laughs> to um, do business with you from a place that dismisses or discounts their worth. As I say, you vote with your dollars. Oh, 100%. Diana, anything else that you wanted to dive into before we start wrapping up our episode for today? So just a s- celebration, celebration of love and, and the community and the partnership and, and your desire for collaboration, which I'm glad to say that has, has brought us all together. And actually, in line with celebration, um, Hawthorne Union's seventh birthday is this week. So that's very <laughs> exciting. Um, so just thankful to have you here as community and also to knowing you and seeing your journey, I would have at no point even thought that worth was something that you were challenged by or working on. And, and, and so I, I think that that's important too. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And also, you know, for, for people listening out there, I think that we, we see someone and we don't necessarily see like what challenges them or struggles, but, but we all have that. So um, just, just thankful and appreciative of, of your time and sharing your journey with us. Always happy to be sharing space with you all. Yeah, absolutely. So love, where can people find out more about you and unsiloed and your journey? Sure. I like to say I hang out a lot in the hallways of LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> the virtual place where you all I love that. I haven't heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where you um, most commonly would find me, um, but also at Unsiloed's website, um, uh, which I, I know you link at unsiloed.org and um, by email, which I'm happy to offer you to link, lkumui at unsiloed.org. And I look forward to having great conversations with folks who um, are looking to, to strengthen their capacity with people who are committed to doing this work. Diana, where can people find out more about you? Same places. Not the same email. <laughs> same places. So I'll hang out in the hallways with love and then uh, and then also hawthornunion.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn and at hawthornunion.com. And of course, we will put the links to all these wonderful little tidbits in the show notes. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And until next time. Thank you. Thank you.